I still don't think it's good. The thing is, we were so right in the last episode, we could afford to be a little bit incorrect this time, right? Yeah. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a special episode of Highlander, the show where we talk about every single legendary card in Hearthstone. I'm joined, as always, by my good friend and co-host, Jamie. How are you doing, Jamie? Good, thanks, James. Hi, everybody. I'm James, telling you to sit back and relax as we talk about some more cards. So, we are recording this on the Saturday before the new expansion for Hearthstone Dark Moon Fair is released. We're going to talk through six of the legendary cards that we're most excited for. We've picked three each. We'll be talking about Wild and Standard. Just overall, like, what piques our interest? Just before we get into all that, Jamie, if we look at the cards in Dark Moon Fair that aren't legendaries, what cards really stand out to you as, like, kind of interesting and, you know, maybe powerful, but just more, you know, interesting cards? I'm not sure it's quite on the power level of Scarlamance, but it's there's some cards in it that are really very strong. So one that particularly stands out is Revolve, which is similar to Evolve, obviously. It's tra- transform all minions into random ones with the same cost, one cost spell for Shaman. So it's pseudo-Evolve, whilst also acting as a Plague of Murloc-style silence transform effect on the opponent's side of the board. So... Feels like a card with a lot of utility. Absolutely. I also kind of like acrobatics for, well, I'm thinking of Odd Demon Hunter and Wild as well. It kind of solves that deck's problems with draw. So we'll have to see if like Arcane Intellect Upside actually is good enough to see play. I think one that we're both quite excited about is Foxy Fraud for Rogue, the two mana card that discounts combo cards. So that combined with Swindle and things like Edwin and SI7 give you all these sort of crazy combos. So yeah, let's jump right into it right now with our first card. Right, take it away, Jamie. First card. All right, so the first card is Deck of Chaos. Six mana Warlock Legendary Spell. Swap the cost and attack of all minions in your deck. That's a pretty interesting effect. I think we can all agree. This card is actually based off of the scrapped design for the Solarium. You know, the old Boomsday draw card this was originally kind of what it was supposed to do i guess they just wanted to print it anyway yeah i guess they just thought ah stuff it we'll just do it so why have you picked this card jamie well it's in my favorite class for one thing warlock and the main thing is it's so powerful on the face stats of it lots of the minions slower warlock decks play have higher cost than attack which means that playing deck of chaos will boost their attack and give them a, f- a reasonable cost reduction. For example, looking at Reno Log, the vast majority of cards, particularly late game cards, get reduced by this. For example, Willow goes to 5 mana, Enhanced Dreadlord goes to 5 mana, Voidlord goes to 3 mana, 9-9 nine, nine as well. Reno goes to 4, Ziliats goes to 3. And then more interestingly, I think, Brand goes to 2, which means you can do some really silly late game stuff with that and Zola and then there's off going to five as well seems to me like it really helps in slower matchups with mana usage and allows you to really go off with a bunch of interesting combos because the deck plays Emperor Thorus in any way it's just a sort of general threat that can help with creating extra resources with like Bran and stuff in the late game and making things more flexible and it just feels like this card does everything better than that except for just being a soft turn obviously yeah it's interesting it's um 
I think the thing that really gives this card the green light for me is the fact that it's just so easy to slot into an already existing deck. It's not like we're having to construct a deck out of the ground just to abuse this one card. I mean, it's great if you can play it on six, kind of decent if you can play it like a bit later in the game, like turn nine or turn ten or something like that. And yeah, you'd hope with playing as arena lock that you've got enough of a sort of defensive presence that you can get away with playing this card and then sort of recover the tempo a little bit later on. So the sort of comparable card to this is Luna's Pocket Galaxy. And we all know how kind of silly and stupid that card is, even at seven mana, right? It's the natural comparison, right? But... I don't think this is quite on the level of Pocket Galaxy, but it's just very... No. It's just slightly different take on it, really. More aggressive, because you can, like, Deck of Chaos and then curve into Willow, and then you'll pull out a now buff demon out of the deck. Strikes me as being relevant at points for pressure. Like you say, the fact that it already has a slot at six mana conveniently enough for Emperor Forison, and then it could just run this in its place, or... Maybe alongside it, but probably just in its place. Seems really encouraging to me. Something else that, I mean, it may be less relevant because the deck wants to go a bit faster, but even Warlock gets weird when you play Deck of Chaos because um, Molten Giant is the prime example of a card that gets heavily affected by it. Instead of being a 20 mana 8, it becomes an 8 mana 28 which means that it's pretty much always going to cost zero. And then Mountain Giant goes to an 8-mana 12-8, so that'll usually be zero a lot of the time, or one or two. Yeah, you've also got um, Faceless Shambler going to a 1-mana card. And Abyssal Summoner going to a 2-mana card as well. I think it's not like it's so easy to slot in as in Rena Lock, because even Warlock is traditionally kind of like an aggressive archetype, so it doesn't want to be playing 6-mana do nothing. Oh, yeah, it's... But... Who knows, because it's like, like you say, the tempo that you sort of recover afterwards is kind of crazy. I agree with you completely. I think six mana is quite slow for this sort of effect and even more log, but you... Yeah. I think it may be better than some things you would play in that slot. Like, I'm personally a, really not a fan of Mojo Master Z in the deck, which I know is very common, but I really don't like that card, so... Any excuse to curse it, I'll probably take. I mean, it may not be corroding, but it probably isn't. But I, I just, I'm not a fan. Yeah, we'll have to see what happens. I mean, certainly, like, um, I know this is a bit more of a meme deck, but even Reno Lock is certainly like a legend viable deck. And that could quite easily abuse this to use some of the tempo gains later on and also some of the combo potential. So yeah. maybe that sort of deck could use it as well. So we'll have to really see, to be honest with you. I think a lot of people's first reaction to this when they saw it was, oh, Maligos costs four mana now. Um, what do you think about that? It's threatening, to be honest with you. Maligos Warlock in Wild's been a fairly playable deck. Yeah. And this really helps. You used to have to play Frizz as you discount an Emperor and do some very weird combination to try and get the cost down. This just giving Maligos a flat four cost means that you're going to be able to kill the opponent a lot of the time if you ever draw of it, really. That deck uses the standard demon defensive package and being able to, as we've said, make a 9-9 Void Lord and all that doesn't hurt. I'm not sure it's going to be enough to push that deck right near the top, but it's going to help Yeah, for sure. I've not thought quite as much about what this card can do in standard, but it's going to really help slower Warlock decks, and they need the help, really. 
One thing that really draws me to this card, and well, it's something I'm going to be bringing up with a few of the other cards, is the fact that it's like it has quite a high ceiling, right? Yeah. It's one of those cards where for as long as Warlock is like a relevant factor in Wild, or, you know, for the foreseeable future in Standard as well, it's going to be one of those cards where we're constantly looking at it and thinking, right, can this minion be abused by this effect? You know, it's a similar thing with how a lot of mage players look at minions that get released for that class now because they're thinking, right, can this go in Luna's Pocket Galaxy? How broken is this when it gets discounted to one mana and that sort of thing? So it's the fact that it's going to be like a relevant force in Wild for the foreseeable future, even if not right away, which I expect it will be, then that's what gets me kind of excited about it. It's also kind of crazy with Dark Moon Rabbit. Incredible. <laughs> Waste your axes cost three mana. Is that relevant though? Ever? I don't know. No, it's not at no. all. <laughs> and, and it makes High Reek an 8 1. So 1 mana 56 7. That is that's crazy. Ticketus. 6 mana 8 8 Warlock Legendary. Battle Cry. Remove the top 5 cards from your deck. Corrupt your opponent's deck instead. And it's also a demon. I think I got that all right, didn't I? You did. Fantastic. So. This was my choice, and I am not as strong of an avid Warlock player as Jamie is, and the Warlock decks that I tend to enjoy are like Zoo and Dark Lair in Wild, but I do really like Ticketus. I think it's one of the most interesting cards that they've printed for quite a long time. It's really interesting to see if it goes in Reno Lock or not. I suspect it might not, because of its anti-synergy with Voidcaller. I think the far more relevant thing for the demon synergy is Willow, to be honest. Yeah. Voidcaller doesn't come up. It comes up occasionally, right? But it's really, it's the odd time. But Willow, you're playing most games, I find. And yeah, pulling this off of Willow is pretty crushing, to be honest. I could maybe foresee like some sort of renal lock in the future that doesn't run Willow. And it's entirely like focused on disruption and being really slow and that sort of thing and just being kind of like rock solid in that sense so it doesn't run willow yeah you know and reno lock in the past has got away with not running willow even if the card is really good right now maybe it's got a future in that sort of thing i mean people have been going on about this is like good against reno priest and to be honest with you i don't really see it i think it's too difficult to actually get working because you first have to draw this card and draw an expensive card and then you have to play the expensive card before you can play this and then you have to play this. Oh, and it also has to not get pulled off of, like you say, Willow or Voidcaller. And I just think, but why? And then the mill effect has to hit something relevant, which by this time they've probably already played Polka, they've probably already played Shadow Reaper Anduin and Raz of the Chain. I don't really see it myself, but you know, it could happen. It could happen. I think it's more interesting as just like a anti-control deck sort of tool, right? I think you were completely spot on about what you said about the deck having to change. I think this sees play in specific decks built around it more so than yeah. just throwing it into already existing shells. It's like an alternative to sort of Treachery Warlock, right? People have run that Treachery Warlock deck without Voidcaller and that sort of demon defensive package. They have done that. So if that is viable and makes sense, I can kind of see this being run in that sort of deck. It's a strange card to evaluate, really. I think there may be something you can do with free admission. This is probably more of a standard thing, but being able to discount it is really going to help. So Yeah, makes it easier to corrupt. Precisely. 
I think the main thing that holds it back, in my opinion, is the fact that it's a demon. Yeah. If this wasn't a demon, oh boy, we'd be having like a very different conversation right now. <laughs> Yogg-Saron, Master of Fate, 10 mana, 7, 5, battle cry. If you've cast 10 spells this game, spin the wheel of Yogg-Saron. Okay, so of the of the options from the wheel, there are five that have 19% chance and one that has 5% chance to be cast. So you have fill the board with random minions, then give yours rush, destroy all other minions, gain their attack and health, fill your hand with random spells that cost zero this turn, take control of three random enemy minions, and the old Yogg effect, cast a random spell for each spell you've cast this game. And then the 5% chance is cast pyroblast randomly until the player dies this is a really strange card and the thing to sort of mention about it is that the vast majority of these effects are going to act as a board clear in some way or another or like a board swing right you may have thought about this more than i do but i'm not sure whether you can play this in wild in what decks it would go in it's funny so yogg hopes end in wild currently is generally running jade druid for standard players who are listening, that is a very grindy control deck, right? Wants to sort of outlast the opponent with infinite resources because you keep summoning larger and larger green men. And you also cast a lot of spells in this deck, right? You cast an awful lot of spells. You run Yogg-Saron at the top end of the deck because it serves as like a massive board clear. Druid doesn't really have any board clears beyond like poison seeds and then trying to follow up with like spreading plague and that sort of thing. So. No proper board clears. So then you run Yogg is like, I hope this works, you know, fingers crossed. And anyway, that sort of thing. Whether this card sees playing wild over Yogg in that deck or alongside it remains to be seen because we just ultimately don't really know if this is better or worse than like normal Yogg in wild. I suspect that it's slightly better, but we don't really know. I also suspect it's better because... The thing with it is, is it's if you've cast 10 spells, and casting 10 spells is quite easy to do in a lot of classes, you're just playing it as a Hail Mary and Jade Druid a lot of the time. And this card, this iteration of it, does that job a lot better. It's much more likely to clear. And it can still pull the old effect if you want that as well. So It may be just that they're both so random and wacky that they're both kind of just as strong as each other. Yeah. Where else does it see playing wild? Well... There aren't really any meta decks that play it, but I know for a fact that Duin plays like a Yogg Hunter, and he hit Legend with that recently, like it's certainly like a, a decent to good deck. He's already planned to run this and the original Yogg in that deck as well. The thing is, it, it's kind of easy to see whether it'll actually see play in Wild, because basically wherever old Yogg's all play, this probably will. You know, aside from Jade Druid and that Hunter, you're looking at like meme Deadman's hand and that sort of thing, so... We'll have to see, really. I doubt it'll have too much impact, especially because we already have Yogg-Saron in Wild. So I'm much more interested in what it'll do in Standard. I think it'll be quite impactful in Standard, to be honest with you. As I said, it gives decks win conditions where they wouldn't already have one, and it's fairly low impact if they would already play spells. So like Priest, for example, I think can get away with this. That can cast 10 spells in no time at all. And having another board swing... Is nice. Um, it's kind of interesting to see Blizzard's process here of let's unnerf Yogg 
at the start of the year. So we have an entire year's worth of data to see, all right, so how good is Yog actually? And then we can sort of like balance the percentages around. Is this going to be too strong? Is the cast random spells effect like too weak or too good or, you know, whatever. It's really strange how they've just gone and nerfed Solarian Prime and yet this has just got, this has just been produced. (laughs) I I mean, I get why they did that because Solarian Prime, I think the main problem with that was that you could generate a bunch of copies of it. Yeah. How good do you think Yogg will be in standard then? Because I've seen a lot of people and I myself would say this as well, that it seems to be like, quite good to very good, right? I think it's a really strong card in terms of beneficial effects. It's almost guaranteed to be good. I think it's really a question of what wants this. So, Mm. control shaman maybe as an extra clear slash swing. Yeah. Played a little bit of that deck recently and you essentially don't run a win condition with it. So this set's really helped. But that deck is mostly spells so it can easily cast 10 spells and then Yogg gives you an extra bit of gas. I think Druid can run it for sure. Yeah. In standard because they've been given the new like Eclipse stuff and Druid appreciates this effect because it always appreciates Borg clears. Yes. Mage can probably run it as well. Highlander Mage, maybe. I can certainly see um, like Cyclone Mage maybe dabbling with this because it's obviously going to cast 10 spells. And yeah, it might want this as like another board clear, like you say. Yeah. How long do you think it'll take before someone in Grandmasters gets killed by Rod of Roasting? Very little time at all. <laughs> if the guy does end up being good enough to put into the decks we've talked about, just by probabilities chance 5% at some point someone's going to get it yeah that's not that low is it really I mean yeah that that will happen at some point and someone's going to be sad and someone's going to clip it Ringmaster Watley 5 mana 3-5 warrior legendary battle cry draw a mech dragon and pirate as a Warrior main, it would be criminal for me to not choose a warrior card to talk about. And thankfully, Watley's quite an interesting one to discuss. So when I first saw this card, I'll be honest, I was a bit like, uh, this doesn't go in Dead Man's Hand. Why am I gonna <laughs> why am I gonna talk about this card? But the thing about it is like I got thinking about it more and what sort of decks could possibly want to use this. And I sort of strayed away from like a menagerie or dragon warrior or something like that, and immediately thought, well, hang on, Galacron Warrior is a pretty good deck in Wild, and that runs all of this stuff already. Why don't we just chuck it in there? I've got a few theory crafts up on Twitter that some kind, better players than myself have made, and they're looking at, well, can we run Watley with the existing cards that we'd want to run in Galakrond Warrior and maybe put in a few of the new cards? Maybe not. Rather than in Standard, where you run Galakrond as like a win condition and control warrior. Galakron warrior is it's just like, it's proper Galakron warrior, right? It runs... Yeah, it's like how Galakron warrior used to be Yeah, when it was properly good in uh, Descent of Dragons format. Right, right. So you're still running the four mana dragon, you're still running the three mana whirlwind that invoke, you know, they both invoke Galakron ritual choppers, that sort of thing. So it looks like Watley's actually going to be able to tutor out lots of good cards that you'd want to run anyway, right? So like for the mechs, you run sometimes Eternium Rover. You're always running Zilliax. Um, Snip Snap maybe as well, you could run that. For the dragons, you're always running the four mana dragon, as we said. You're running Tent Trasher. It's got some extra synergy with uh, Alex Draza's champion, which I'm 
always happy to see because I love that card to bits. Yeah, I, I, I love that. I love that card. Yes. For the pirates, so you can run a lot of the tempo sort of stuff like Sky Raider, South Sea Deckhand. Hopefully not drawing patches, but you know, that could always happen. <laughs> like how we said with the six mana warlock spell, it slots really well into an existing deck. And then you have to think, right, so how good is five mana three five draw three minions in this deck? Do you know what? That's really good. <laughs> that's really uh, that's good. It's pretty, pretty bloody good because you can afford the slight tempo loss from the 3-5 starter line because you're getting so much refill. And um, yeah, the thing I would say is that a lot of the cards you'll draw will be cheap or fast, which means that you can easily fit them in the following turn and that was just going to sort of sit in your hand for ages and you can yes. play them all out fairly quickly, which gives it a lot of immediate value. I mean... Like, think about Tent Trasher, for example, right? You may play a Watley, but then the following turn, you could play a bunch of smaller stuff, like an Eternium Rover, like one of your one-mana pirates, and then play Tent Trasher at a discount and just take the board back. That is one thing that can happen. I get what you're saying completely. Again, the thing that I say about these cards I pick and want to talk about is the fact that a, they're slotting into already existing archetypes, right? Which is a good sign. But B, it's like their potential is really, really high. The potential of like a 5-mana 3-5 draw free cards, like draw free good cards as well, that's quite high, right? And I suspect this is a card that will, again, if it doesn't even see play immediately, it's going to always be a card at the back of people's minds and like, right, how can we abuse this kind of broken effect? Galakrama is a really interesting deck and I'm a big fan of it. Because back in the day, I used to love Dragon Warrior. It was one of the first decks that I legend was in standard. And that that sort of play style, this just seems like a nice sort of semi-top-end card that you can just throw in as a bit of refill. Because one of the main things that deck always struggled with was cycle. And you generally didn't really run much at all. Three fives all right stats. And as we discussed, Tent Trash is just a crazy card, really. It just makes everything so much smoother and makes everything go together so much better in a deck like that. And then Sion of Ruins, obviously, very nice as well. I mean, I, ho I hope that sort of deck comes back, to be honest. Galakron is already quite decent, but I think it's a bit more bomb-based. Yeah. There's quite a lot of flexibility in like how you'd want to build the deck. And I'm pretty sure that Watley is going to serve as some sort of glue to like hold a lot of these sort of things together. Because as we say, it's already a pretty decent deck. One of its weaknesses really was drawing, was just some of its minions. And this is just like the perfect card for that, right? Yeah, I feel like uh, it's got a lot of utility. You used to have to do some stuff with Basil Rage, and Basil Rage in a tempo deck's fairly clunky. When I say fairly clunky, I mean it's a right pain. Like, do do anything with it? Because it rewards trading, and you don't want to trade in a tempo deck. So it's like the matchups where draw matters are slow matchups, and it's hard to activate it in slow matchups. So it just ends up being a really weird, sort of unpleasant cycle that you get yourself into. Feels like this really smooths it out. Yeah. That's kind of the thing about it, is it looks like kind of a well-oiled machine. In standard, the sort of theory crafts I've been looking at are in wild. The cards that are in those decks, I kind of think, right, I see why that card's in there, I see why that's there, and all these sort of things. Yeah. And it doesn't really look like there's very much, you know, chaff. That's always like a good sign to me. So we'll have to see how good those decks are, but I hope so. Whenever you're ready, sir. Right, Cthulhu the Shattered. 10 mana, 6-6. Six, six. Start of game, break into pieces. Battle cry. Deal 30 damage randomly split across all enemies. Right. So... So... 
the pieces are four five mana spells and you have to play all four of them. So the four spells are Body of Cthulhu, Summon a 6-6, six, six, Cthulhu's Body with Taunt, Eye of Cthulhu, Deal 7 damage randomly split among all enemies, Heart of Cthulhu, Deal 3 damage to all minions, and More of Cthulhu, Destroy a Minion. And then once you play all four of those after drawing them, the 10-mana 6-6 six, six, Battle Cry Deal 30 damage then gets shuffled into the deck. This is a really strange card, and... Yep. What makes it so strange is the fact that you have to draw so much to actually activate it. It's a real deck building challenge. When you look at all the five mana spells, they're all kind of they're kind of not amazing. They're not cards you'd willingly put in the deck a lot of the time. I think the way to look at it is this is a very, very good anti-fatigue card, and it's a very, very good win condition in really slow decks. Right, right. The other thing to note is that the shuffled pieces come from outside of the game which gives them very good synergy from with rogue if you want to go for a sort of faster build because you can stow away and cycle what would you say about this card really i have seen a lot of people suggest putting it in like a not quite a tempo rogue but like you say with the stowaways and trying to sort of draw this as like an extra win condition right controlling the board with your minions and getting all that tempo while you play the five mana spells and then ultimately Cthulhu and just win the game on the spot. Personally, I don't really see that working very well, right? And the reason for that is because a lot of the spells are just so subpar. Like, for example, the five mana deal seven, like that's really kind of naff, you know? And that's, that's clearly the worst one. I think the six, six taunt and the destroyer minion are both all right. And then the deal three because hit or miss, right? The deal three in that kind of deck, though, is really kind of bad. Yeah. Because I'm thinking you've got a board like SI7 agents, you've got Foxy Fraud, um, Van Cleef, and that sort of thing. And then you just have to play this to get your Cthulhu. And I just think there's such anti synergy there. But what you said earlier about as a win condition for control decks, I think you're absolutely spot on. I can really, really see it where a lot of these really slow decks, like maybe a control warrior or like you say, this control shaman. Yeah. I'm a big fan of like decks having combo finishes and not having just fatigue as a win condition. Like I've really enjoyed playing like the Silas, Dark Moon, Shield Slam combo in Warrior as like a way to kill them. I actually think it's stronger to run that sort of thing than just trying to outlast the opponent because if you get matched against the priest, you actually have a chance at winning and it only requires you to put like two cards that you wouldn't want to run anyway in that deck. But Cthulhu gives you more space for the cards that you actually want to run in the deck. Like in that sort of instance, the five mana deal three is kind of okay. We've seen a spell like it before in Excavated Evil in Priest. The five mana deal seven, again, is kind of iffy, but I think it's kind of worth it. And then Cthulhu is obviously just kind of insane. I'm kind of curious if some sort of shaman deck could exist where they run the quest and tour guide and just do 60 split because then that's just going to kill pretty much anything in standard. So <laughs> that would be kind of interesting. But um, yeah, I think as a sort of control win condition, I really like it and I think it's kind of strong and hopefully it means that no one will ever put Archivist Elysiana in a deck ever again. Like I said, I was playing a lot of a reasonable amount of that control show with like a, like a sort of proper attrition deck that has fatigue as the win condition and runs Elysiana. Yeah. And this is like it was made for that deck because you would play DL3 to all anyway. That's just a good AOE and you can get away with all the other ones. And also, all the pieces synergize nicely with Yogg as well. <laughs> yes, they do. So, 
I also think priests can get away with it as well. Whether it actually is worth it is a different question. Well, we've already seen priests cut Galacrond, you know, as a, like, I don't want to say fatigue, but value win condition, right? We've already seen that sort of evolution happen in the archetype. So you do kind of wonder if maybe instead of trying to generate loads of stuff off of like Sephic Veilweaver and that sort of thing, let's just actually try and just get to Cthulhu and survive and make like an absolutely bomb-proof control deck. We'll see whether whether that actually comes up, but these pieces are also quite nice with Gahoon, the new priest legendary, because it makes them a lot less clunky. Yeah. It's one we're really going to have to test. I think this is probably the best example of that, because it may end up that it's just not good enough, but it may end up that it becomes the go-to way of winning games in slow decks. It's interesting because we've never really had a card like this before. We've obviously had cards that you sort of build up to, like, you know, case in point, the original Cthulhu. You build your entire deck around it, slowly bumping up this, like, 10-mana card that you know is coming at some point that you're hopefully going to just win the game on the spot. It's kind of hard to say which which way it's going to go. Is it going to be too slow and it's just not worth running and it's only good against, like, really, really hard control decks and none of them are in the meta anyway and that sort of thing? Or, like you said, does it turn out to just be, this is how you win games of Hearthstone now? Yeah. Who knows? Nobody knows. And that's, I'm really glad you picked this card because it's, for me, it's like, it's easily one of the most interesting cards, let alone legendaries in the set. Like, we've just never had anything like this before. So, it's something with quite this level of inevitability, right? Especially not for neutral. I think that's what makes it particularly interesting is that having complete, pretty much complete inevitability that you will win at some point or at least like completely swing their life total back in your favour. is um, It's really interesting. I think this card's interesting and standard, but I cannot for the life of me see any deck in Wild running this. I really can't, I'll be honest. <laughs> no, it seems like just too slow. Yeah, I mean, you've just got to consider like, what's the card trying to do? Well, it's trying to give you this like really late game win condition, right? Well, we've got a million and one of those um, that are a lot faster than this, so... I don't really see it in that, but in standard, yeah, I'm really interested to see whether this becomes adopted by a wide variety of control decks. So yeah, it should be uh, should be kind of fun. Nazoth, God of the Deep, ten mana, five seven neutral legendary battle cry. Resurrect a friendly minion of each minion type. So Nazoth, even if it's not immediately great, I don't think it will be in wild. It's going to be one of those cards where people are constantly going to be looking and seeing, right, how good is just slamming Nazoth into this deck? Because at some point, a good to viable archetype is going to come out of this card. I can just guarantee it. A lot of decks in Wild already run like quite a wide variety of tribes, like Ziliax sees playing lots and lots of decks. I really don't think it's inconceivable that further down the line, in like a couple of expansions or maybe maybe even a year or two, that as more tribal minions are released with taunts or powerful death rattles or something like that, Nizoth is going to look even more appealing and we might start to see it in people's decks. I think it's a really interesting card, like you say. Any sort of mass resurrection type effect is always cool. And I love Menagerie as a sort of archetype or a sort of play style. So something that supports that gets a big thumbs up from me. Original Nizoth was much more limiting than this because of the fact that it was death rattles only. This being able to res- resurrect things that aren't death rattles gives it a lot more interesting applications, like rush minions in particular. There's more rush minions you can you can play. 
in Hunter, for example, well, it's not even a Rush minion as I've just completely cheated, but you've got something like King Rush off of Bran, right? Yeah. That's something that can get resurrected by this, which is kind of crazy, which again is like something you couldn't really do with the old one. You can actually get like proactive minions. And then there's that like um, that 10 10 elemental in Druid as well, Rush Torn. Yeah. That's obviously a particularly insane one, but. Something more like, please, Tent Trasher in um, in Warrior as a dragon. Because, like, why wouldn't you play that card in a Menagerie-type deck? I've actually gone and looked at each of the minion types and looked at what sort of... What sort of things would be, like, reasonable to resurrect off of this? And I'm sort of looking at this as, like, well, it's not just summoning a bunch of taunts, like, with the oldness off. You know, with a bit of the standard mentality and maybe, like, okay, so maybe it's, like, for pressure... Some of the slots aren't particularly great. So like Totems, for example. For Merlocks as well, they're kind of not great. Like Fishy Flyer, Mega McGurgle, you know. But for every other tribe, they've got like either like great stuff or kind of decent stuff. Um, so for example, you know, you've got Scrap Golem in Warrior, you've got Safeguard. For the Demons, you've got stuff like Imprisoned Antion, Priestess of Fury, uh, Ancient Voidhound, Enhanced Dreadlord. Betrug. There's quite a lot of like stuff in a wide variety of classes. And there's also some like fairly decent neutral stuff as well. So for example, like Scrapyard Colossus. Again, I don't think this is quite on the level of Wild where yeah. you would probably prefer to have the taunts rather than the sort of proactive rush stuff, at least right now. But for standard, I can see this being really, really strong. I mean mass resurrection effects are always insanely powerful, really, and especially something as versatile as this. I Failed to see a world where it won't see a lot of play at some point. So what particular classes are looking to really abuse this effect then? Warrior is the main one, really. Paladin can probably get away with it as well. I think the thing I like about the card is that you can afford to play a more proactive style of deck than original Nazoth. Yeah. And obviously our Ted Manor card in proactive deck, yada yada, but the point stands because, like I've said before, the fact that it doesn't have to be death rattles really makes it more possible to do something proactive with it. It's like summoning charge and rush minions means that you can sort of take back control of the board when you play this as well. Or you just summon lots and lots of stuff and close out the game because, you know, there aren't as many board players in standard. Absolutely. So the other thing I was thinking was I'm not sure whether Warlock can actually support the variety of minions, but. Deck of Chaos makes it really good. Yeah, it does. <laughs> so obviously Warlock's got a lot of demons that you can run with it. And dragons as well, you could be running anyway. So yeah. like Zeranku and the 5-5. The, five, five. the thing that I could sort of see stopping this card from seeing play in standard is maybe maybe some of the classes card pools are small enough where you're kind of forced to play minions with the same tribe as the ones that you'd want to be resurrecting and it sort of dilutes the pool a bit or makes it inconsistent so for example like with the beasts hunters got plenty of beasts that they would like to resurrect like high main like i say king crush and that sort of thing zixor as well but the problem is that a lot of the other good hunter minions like wolpertinger for example are ones that you really don't want to resurrect off and off so we might see like a process of a lot of decks that want to run it end up being rebuilt somewhat or they just cut their losses and just say, look, we're fine with resurrecting a Wolpertinger if it means that we can resurrect like a million points of stats. So I think it's really interesting, like not just from like what cards do we put in the deck, but like do we have to restructure a lot of decks 
to sort of fitness off or is it not worth running and that sort of thing so I suppose the other thing to mention is that the real glue of the the decks all of them for every archetype circus amalgam that card completely allows that deck to actually work for the most part yeah because it's a taunt and it fills in any minion types you don't have so it's kind of perfect really I think obviously it's a two of I think the cards are there where it's got enough good stuff that it wants to run that it's kind of viable and I think some people are maybe thinking about this card the wrong way and saying well you're never going to summon like totems or mailocks or anything like that and it's like well that's not the point the point yeah. isn't always to like fill the entire board it's just like summoning like four or five minions is good enough right you don't have to like get seven every time I agree so yeah fairly happy with it to be honest Well, that just about wraps it up for us. I think we're both quite excited for Dark Moon and I hope you, dear listener, are as well. We've been releasing an episode every Friday. This episode should be coming out on Sunday if I get around to editing it in time, but we're probably going to take next Friday off because I just won't have time to edit and record an episode. So anyway, that's goodbye from me. It's goodbye from me. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you so much. Fantastic. Yeah, that's done. Nice. Oh, and stay safe. There we go. Nailed it. Nailed it.